0: I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Most countries in Europe are worried sick about debt, unemployment, and not enough economic growth. But one European nation recently decided to cut spending in order to avoid too much growth. That country is Norway, and the reason for its predicament is oil and gas. For decades now, the nation has carefully controlled its energy industry and the huge amount of revenue it generates. The goal was to ensure Norway didn't suffer the same fate as other countries where oil has become a curse. The world's Laura Lynch has our story. In the pretty harbor city of Stavanger on Norway's North Sea coast, the seagulls are screeching high above the town square adjacent to a sparkling blue fjord. Here it's easy to get a glimpse of the country's hard scrabble economic past and its booming present-day spectacular wealth. This harbour used to be lined with herring canneries, dozens of them. Piers Croker, the curator of the Norway Canning Museum, says it was the lifeblood of Stavanger.
1: Let's put it like this. 50% of the working population were employed in the canneries, another 15% in the supply industries. Uh, and there was a newspaper headline in 1920, the city that stands on one leg, and that leg was canning.
0: Croker shows me an old canning machine and tells me one employee set a record when he managed to seal a thousand cans a day. That man's grandson still lives here, but the canneries were all gone by the early 1980s. Almost everyone now works in the offshore oil industry that transformed the town, Croker says the change was stunning. There was a
1: guy who'd been in the canning industry for 30 years, and his wages when he retired from the canning industry were less than his 18-year-old daughter beginning in the oil industry.
0: The once sleepy fishing town boasts high-end fashion shops. The harbour is dotted with cranes and offshore oil platforms, either in for maintenance or ready to float out to the North Sea drilling sites. It's evidence of good times. Norway's success, some say, is largely down to one man.
1: Had it not been for the fact that I came to Norway, I probably would have not even done anything with these ideas.
0: Farouk al-Kassim, in his mid-70s now, moved here with his Norwegian wife and family in the late 1960s from Iraq, where he worked as a geologist for the state oil company. Al-Kassim quickly found work just as one of the world's largest oil fields was discovered off the coast of Norway. The government saw his background and hired him to help devise a strategy for managing the resource and the revenue. Al-Kasim says one of the first things Norway did right was to control its newfound wealth.
1: You don't really benefit at all by allowing oil or, or petroleum revenue to come onto you like a tsunami and flood everything that will completely destroy uh, non-oil sectors of the economy.
0: That's what happened in the Netherlands in the 1970s. It's now known as the Dutch disease. As oil exports boomed, the flood of money into the domestic economy inflated the currency, and that led to price increases. In turn, those increases destroyed exports and led to joblessness and inequality. By contrast, Norway has held on to almost all of the revenue it earns, in a giant and ever-growing savings account known as the oil fund. It now holds almost $600 billion and is one of the largest sovereign wealth funds in the world. Petr Osmundsen is a professor of petroleum economics at the University of Stavanger. He says the small amount the government withdraws for spending each year about 4% is more than enough.
1: We have been spending a lot of money, so even these 4% is, uh, is a very good increase uh, in public budgets uh, over the last years with a good oil price and uh, high oil production. Uh, we are not starving.
0: <laughs> and the sovereign fund isn't allowed to invest in Norway. That helps avoid inflation and makes non oil companies more competitive globally. There are challenges. Osmundsen says the global financial crisis has made Norway almost too successful compared to its neighbors.
1: We are having good times, whereas the others are having bad times. So we keep getting pay rises, whereas the other countries are getting pay cuts. So um, if this lasts for a, a number of years, the, the Norwegian competitiveness will, will be reduced in other industries than the oil
0: so recently, Norway decided to cut its spending from oil income by a billion dollars to slow economic growth. None of this seems to bother Norwegians, even though the fund holds more than $100,000 for each citizen. They seem content to save for the future and continue to pay high taxes. Farouk al Kasim isn't surprised by their attitude. He believes one of the reasons the Norwegian approach has worked here is something he noticed when he first arrived more than 40 years ago. Al-Qasim believes it was a legacy of the Second World War when Norwegians lived under Nazi occupation.
1: This sense of belonging together, being completely not only dependent on each other but completely trusting each other. This solidarity uh, in the nation was absolutely unique.
0: Across town from the simple structure that houses the Canning Museum, Stavanger's Oil Museum is a much more modern, sleek building right on the waterfront. The almost spooky echo of a simulated death sounder is one of the exhibits, along with scale models of drilling platforms meant to give an impression of what it's like to drill for oil under the sea. But there's also a giant clock showing the oil revenue climbing second by second, Another wing houses a gourmet restaurant with gourmet prices. Oil has been good to the town. It's now one of the most expensive cities in the world. And it's been good to Norway. For The World, I'm Laura Lynch in Stavanger. You can see Laura's pictures of Stavanger and its museums at theworld.org.